0: Well, good morning church, praise God, I'm glad that we are here, Uh, I'm having a bit of the sniffles, so pardon me if you cannot really hear me, I'll try my best to uh, amp up enough strength to speak up well, amen. (laughs) Uh, We just finished our first week of 2023, and this is our second Sunday, we bless God for that, Uh, let's pray and let's get right into it. Father, we thank you for what you've, you've done. We thank you that we see your glory, we see your power. It's expressed in our worship this morning, and just like the worship leader prayed, I echo these sentiments. Soften our hearts, O Lord, that your word will have fertile London that will be able to impact our communities and our societies for you in Jesus name amen please go with me to the book of Luke 14 verse 28 Luke 14 verse 28 i'm very grateful to the lord that uh, we have a new ma- a new year uh for some it signifies a fresh start, for some it signifies a uh, reset, but whatever be the case, it's a blessing. Eight days into the year, it's still fairly young, but we are progressing. Amen. Uh, please, I want you to take some notes this morning and try and remember this message, because if you are able to diligently apply what uh, will be shared this morning, I believe it will really change the course of your year, I truly believe that with all my heart, Amen. One of the things that mark out a new year are the events of planning, you know, resolutions or starting afresh, like I just said earlier on. Uh, everybody has a plan when January first rolls up, right? Sometimes you hear people saying, "I want to lose weight." I want to lose weight. That's a plan. <laughs> Someone like, I want to go back to my my bodybuilding days or my model days. I, I, wa- I, want, to, I want to hit the magic number, 235, 250, whatever was your magic number. I want to get back to it. Uh, people start with resolutions like, I want to start going to the gym. Now, now, if you go to the gym within the past seven to eight days, the gym is totally packed out. It's packed out. Everybody starts with alacrity, you know. And it said that by the middle of January, the numbers in the gym start dwindling. I think if you work in the gym, you'll kind of find it very funny. And it it really lets you see the predictability of the unpredictability of humans. (laughs) Amen. Uh, I want to start making more money. Yeah, some people who are very career-driven. I want my tax bracket to change. I've been in this tax bracket for too long. I want my tax bracket to change. Some are like, I want to go back to school. For some, they are like, you know what? I never finished high school. I want a GED. For those who've done a GED, they will say, I want an associate. For those who have an associate, I want to move further. I want to go to... For so them, do my bachelor's. For those who have a bachelor's and who might be working and who feel stuck in a rut, they'll be like, "I want to do a master's." And for those who have a master's, maybe they are contemplating on doing a PhD. Everybody has plans. I want to quit smoking. I want to quit drinking. Uh, I want to quit womanizing. Twenty twenty three, I'm celibate because maybe you might have had too many broken hearts. You see some people, they were, they were like, 2023, I'm going to quit falling in love with the wrong person. I'm always getting sorry, sloppy Joe. Not anymore. You know, there are some people like that. So we all have plans. That is what is more common and more prevalent among all of us, is that we all have plans. Everyone has a plan. And I want you to know that it is good to have a plan. Amen. So look at what Jesus said about that. Luke 14, 28. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? In fact, read this scripture in context. Jesus was talking about followership. He was talking about discipleship. He was letting his disciples know that there must be some thrill. There might be some spectacularity following me. But the other side of following me is it's costly. There is a price to pay for that. So Jesus trying to drive his point home on the cost of followership or discipleship Decided to use a man who intends to build a tower. But before you build a tower, there are some requisite steps you need to take if you will finish the tower. And that is to count the costs. You have to count the costs. Number two, you have to realize, do I have the resources? Because if you read the subsequent verses, it says, if you are not able to finish the job, you will become a laughingstock among people in the society. And Jesus used this analogy of planning just to say, if you want to come to the way of salvation, that leads to eternal life. Do not just be joyful about it. Don't just be emotional about it. But make a calculated decision and plan following. There are many believers who have dropped out of the faith because they didn't make a calculated decision. The evangelists perhaps played on their emotions and they used euphoria to become born again. But if you are going to last the distance until the road is called up yonder for all of us, whichever way, either we die or we stay alive and meet the coming of the Lord, But if you are really going to last the distance, I put it to you this morning. Make a very calculated decision that I want to follow Christ because it's costly. It's costly. If you just play on emotions, I feel like receiving Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. I feel like when I come to Christ, all things will work out for my good. If you are just going to rely on feelings, it's not going to do you much. You will end up dropping out. I find out that Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, doesn't discourage thinking, doesn't encourage using your mental faculties when it comes to receiving the call of God upon your life. That applies in, Receiving the call to come into the way of salvation that leads to life. That applies to when God has further called you into the ministry to lead people. The mind has to play a factor. Count the cost. And it's not a sin to count the cost. Most times believers will like to discourage people and say, trust the Spirit. Have faith. But the other side of faith is that you reason, you intelligently come to a conclusion, and then based on that, you will take a decision. Amen. So Jesus is saying that following me is costly. Count it. And what Jesus was talking about is planning. Plan to follow me. Plan. If you will want to grow in your Christian faith plan. If you will want to excel in the calling of God, plan. If you will want to stay in this faith, this walk of faith, and make it a last plan. Planning is biblical. So based on this, I want to talk about a godly approach to planning. Hence, my theme for this morning, planning the new year. So today, the theme of my message is planning the new year. But I really want us to focus on a godly approach to having plans or planning. Amen. There are many ways by which you can plan. You can plan by rationalization. You know, you can put two and two together and say, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. And based on that, I'm going to major my strengths, blah, blah, blah. That's rationalization. You can plan by dreaming or daydreaming for that matter. Sometimes there are people who take certain decisions and plan certain things just because of dreaming or daydreaming. You can also plan by thinking. Sometimes just sitting down, musing, and having very deep, somber reflections can result in a plan. But today, I want you to involve God so that you can make the best plans. And more importantly, execute them. You see, a plan just doesn't have to stay on paper, neatly written with your checkboxes. A plan has to be executed. After a period of time, when you go back to your plan, whether it's on your phone app, or you've written it down, you're old school, you've written it on the paper, You should be able to see all these plans ticked, or all the checkboxes ticked. And that can only happen when we involve God in our plans. So God has to be the foremost resource person when it comes to us making plans, and more especially for the new year. So today, I just want us to look at some steps. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. let's look at the first one. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. I want to read this in the Living Bible, TLB. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord. And then your plans will succeed. Commit your work to the Lord. And then your plans will succeed. So the first step to planning is to commit to the Lord what you will do. So what do you want to do? I'm sure as the dawn of a new year has approached upon us, we might all have plans. Some may have spiritual plans. Some may have financial plans. Some may have academic plans. Some may have career plans. Some may have personal plans. Whatever plan that it may be. Family plans. Whatever plans that it may be. Today, I implore upon you that commit it to the Lord. Don't just start and then drive off. The year is fairly young. Spend some time in prayer. How do you commit to the Lord your plans? Prayer. It's still fairly young. Pray. Let me make this even practically. Why don't you spend the next seven days starting from today, maybe to Saturday, and pray about your plans? You may have written it down. You want to make the next million? Good. You want to go to school? Good. You want to marry? Good. You want to get a mortgage? Good. But... Committed to the Lord. Committed to the Lord. That's the only way by which you will experience success. Thank God for motivational speakers. But in this day and age, we tend to over-rely on motivational speakers. And it's good. It worked for them. Thank God it worked for them. But every human being is wired differently and uniquely. You've got to understand that situations, scenarios are all not the same. So sometimes trying to replicate what someone is saying or or the lessons that a life coach may give to you might not always be the case. And sometimes if you don't take care, you might say the life coach is not real. He might be real because of course, some people will apply it and it will work. But what I want you to do is that find out from God's perspective, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not what Tony Robbins wants me to do. Not what any of the quote-unquote self-help gurus, lifestyle coaches will want me to do. Lord, what do you want me to do? Commit it to him. Lord, is this your will? Lord, is this your plan? Lord, are you in this plan? Find out. Spend this week. Praying about it. You can spend every evening. It doesn't have to be long. You can spend every evening before you sleep. You can spend every morning before you wake up and take the shower. Just pray a simple prayer to the Lord. Lord, are you in this plan? What is your will? This is what I want to do. But what is your will? Speak to me. Direct me. Give me instruction. May I be open to counsel. Committed to the Lord. Committed to the Lord. And it is only in committing our plans to the Lord that we will experience success. And success in our plans means we will execute our plans, we will see the fruition of our plans, and our joy will be made full. Amen. Number two. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 15 Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. I'm reading this in the Amplified. The way of the arrogant fool who rejects God's wisdom is right in his own eyes. But a wise and prudent man is he who listens to counsel. Number two, listen to advice from others. Others in inverted commas. Be open to counsel or advice from the Holy Spirit. When you draw your plans, don't be too set in your ways or too headstrong. Be flexible and allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt your plans. Thank God for Joseph. We just celebrated Christmas the past week. Thank God for Joseph. Joseph's plan was I'm engaged to Mary, and I am going to marry Mary. That was the plan. But God had to rudely interrupt the plan by making his fiancée his betrothed Spouse, pregnant. And according to the Jewish custom, it is sin. And when you do that, it's tantamount to stoning. The plan is all messed up. Sometimes God will have divine interruption. Joseph's life was interrupted. And he planned to put the woman away. And that's the right thing to do. According to the law and even in the sight of God. But God spoke, don't do it. The child that this woman is carrying is not a result of an amorous affair. It is divine. Take this woman. She will give birth to a savior who will save people from the sins of the world. Thank God for a Joseph. Normally in the Christmas story, Joseph is missing. We always talk about Mary. But thank God for Joseph, who was fluid, flexible enough to flow with the plan of God. I think one of the keys that we will need this year is to be flexible, to be pliable, and to be fluid to the things of God. When you are too rigid, when you are too set in your ways, most times you will miss the plan of God. And as a Christian, I can say that from experience. Sometimes I have missed God's timing and opportunity because I was too set, too headstrong. That's one of my weaknesses. Amen. And when I'm like that, it can be a problem. But sometimes you will miss God's timing for your life. There is a time to be headstrong There is a time to be set in your way. And that is when you have heard God speak. When you know that God has spoken, when you have conferred with the Spirit and you know that this is the final decision, you have to be headstrong. This is where it comes to my advantage. You will never be able to move me from the post because I believe God has spoken. But the flip side of it is that sometimes it can cost because you have to be able to be very sensitive to when the Lord wants you to be fluid, flexible and move or when he wants you to stand firm on your conviction. And I believe that's how my wife is. She's very flexible. She's very fluid. And, and, and people who are like that, they are susceptible to hearing the voice of God or catch the move of God real quick. So don't be too headstrong or be too set in your ways. Listen to counsel. You don't know it all. Listen to counsel. Sometimes counsel might not just come from the Holy Spirit. It might also come from godly friends. That's why your circle of friends are very important. I'm qualifying the friend. Godly friends. It's not every friend that can counsel you. But if you know friends who you share the same faith with, who you have kindred spirits with, and the Spirit of the Lord dwells in them when they speak, listen. You might, out of enthusiasm and excitement, share your plan with them. But when they speak and when they offer advice, listen. Don't just reject it outright. Sometimes just sleep over it, pray about it, and you might find out that that is counsel. And from personal experience, sometimes I've had to change and make certain detours because a friend spoke to me. I listened and i like, that is God speaking. So be open to advice. Be open to counsel. Yeah, I know this is your dream but be open to counsel. Don't be my dream and nobody can change my mind. The Holy Spirit can change your mind. Godly friends can change your mind. Preaching can change your mind. Even as I'm preaching today, I'm sure that by the Spirit's witness, you are being convicted one way or another. Preaching can change your mind. Come to a place of finality And stand firm on your conviction when God indeed has had the final say, But if he hasn't, be fluid, be flexible, and be pliable. Amen. And don't be so fluid, flexible, and pliable to the point that everybody will sway you with their conviction. So also know the balance. I I think that's what makes life a bit complex to live. To really skillfully make it in life, you have to believe in what is called the balance. Not too much to the extreme. Not too much to the left. Not too much to the right. But you need to find the balance. It's good to be fluid, flexible, and pliable, but not to the extreme, else people can sway you with their conviction. It's good to be headstrong or set in your ways, For a particular reason at a particular time, but not always, else you could also miss it. So you see, life is about the balance. Amen. So listen to advice. Be open to counsel. Number three, James chapter four, verse 13 to 16. James chapter four, verse thirteen to sixteen. I'm reading this in the GNT Good News Translation. John chapter four, verse thirteen to sixteen. Excuse me. John 4, verse 13 to 16. Good News Translation. Now listen to me, you that say, today or tomorrow we will travel to a certain city where we will stay a year and go into business and make a lot of money. You don't even know what your life tomorrow will be. You are like a puff of smoke, which appears for a moment and then disappears. What you should say is this. If the Lord is willing, we will live and do this or that. But now you are proud and you boast. All such boasting is wrong. There is nothing wrong with drawing a five-year plan. There is nothing wrong with drawing a 20-year plan. But draw those plans having God in mind. Otherwise, if you don't, it's boasting. And the Bible says that when you boast, you are proud. And when you read James chapter 4, the same chapter, verse 6, God resists the proud. He resists the proud. And one form of pride is to draw your plan, draw your program without including God. So the third principle, recognize your ultimate lack of control. Recognize that. There are many factors that can come into play. Recognize your lack of control and trust God to see you through. As we are all listening to me, twenty twenty three is not the only new year you have experienced. You have experienced previous new years. Did you achieve any of those plans? Let's even start from two thousand because I believe that any everybody here, I believe should be older than twenty three. So let's start from two thousand. Did you achieve the plans? Two thousand and one? Right up to 2023, have you achieved those plans? So recognize your ultimate lack of control. So don't keep on repeating the same mistake. Recognize that you don't have control. These people planned for a year. Or it's even a story. and allegory just to make a point. But plan for a year. I'm going to make money. And it's good. But the the apostle who wrote this said, you don't even know what your life will be tomorrow. And let me even say this. You don't even know what your life will be this very next second. I don't even know what my life will be. How will I even know tomorrow? We have a lack of control. I remember when we were in 2019. Everybody was so happy to enter into 2020. I I don't know why. Maybe it's the number. Maybe it's how it sounds. But I do remember when it was 2019 and when it was almost about to enter in 2020, everybody was happy. Because I think people are looking at, oh, 2020 is another decade. Another decade of the 2020s. 2020 to 2029, Another decade. I can't look forward to it. People who are superstitious with numbers tend to play with numbers. Wow, 2020. It it, it even sounds nice, you know. People were so excited. I do remember. People were excited. People couldn't wait. But by March, 2020 had become a trending topic on Twitter. Nobody wants 2020. It should end. People were saying that. Take me back to 2019. You know, so, so nobody knew what was going to happen. We didn't know that people were going to die. I mean, of course, we know that people always die, but you don't attribute death to certain kinds of people. I like sports. I, I had taken a Sunday nap and I was shocked when my wife woke me up and, and showed me the phone that Kobe Bryant is dead. Like, why? Like, what, what are you talking to me about? If he has to give me a survey of 100 people who are going to die and Kobe Bryant was on that list, probably he would have been the last person on the list. Probably. That's to me. Because I'm looking at it from sports, basically. But but shocking deaths, things you don't expect. Recognize your ultimate lack of control. One day I was just there on a a November. It was a sunny November. Friday, 4th November, happy. I looked at the day. I said, wow, today is going to be a good day. I was very happy going about my business, work, and everything. And then I received the call of my life. Your father is dead. Recognize your ultimate lack of control. Lack of control because I'm a human being. There's nothing you can do. You have to factor that. The factor of the unknown. You are not in the driving seat of your life. I'm not against life coaches, but sometimes quit listening to life coaches who like to tell you things that you are in the driver's seat of your life and you can drive the bus. You can't drive the bus. Wake up and smell the coffee. You can't. If you drive the bus, I bet you, you will crash the bus because you will go on certain detours that you are not trained to even skillfully maneuver your way through. You are not in control of the bus. God is in control of the bus. Allow him to drive the bus. But you can only allow him to drive the bus when you recognize that I don't have control. That's that's it. So the, the third principle is that recognize that. Today we all have to have a humble slice of cake and say to ourselves, I am not in control. Because I recognize my lack of control. Recognize that you are a human being. Recognize that I have limits. Recognize that I am finite. Recognize that I don't have it all. Because sometimes people will deceive us. I am all. I am more than enough. I am strong. No, you are not. If I'm to feed on those junk. Look at me today. I'm sick and I'm trying to preach. I didn't know yesterday that I was going to be sick. Right? (laughs) But, but, But that is the life. Our ultimate lack of control is part of the beautiful tapestry of our life. Knowing that we don't have control. It's a beautiful thing if you know that. Because when you know that, you are forced to believe and trust in God Almighty. And this morning, may we not come to a place whereby we we exhibit a proud disposition in making all our plans. But we don't factor God. As a Christian, learn how to say, if God wills. I'm going to travel, if God wills. I have some plans. But whenever I'm talking, I always say, if God wills. It's very important. You can make plans, but your lack of control. Just this Christmas, my wife and I, we plan to travel. We have planned this trip about nine months prior, bought the ticket six months prior. We were happy. We're looking for it. We we can't wait till it's 24th December. We are out of the the States. But, hey, our flight was cancelled. Our lack of control. So that's what I'm trying to say. There are many external factors that come into play. Most importantly, you can die. And when you die, that's it. It's all over. It's all over. What are you going to do? I do remember... Before my dad died, I think the last but two conversation I had with him, last but two, last but one, and then the last one, but the last but two. So that's the the second from the last two conversations I had with him. He was talking to me about plans, plans, things he want to do, want to achieve. He really poured his heart out to me. Poured out his heart out. In October. But he didn't know that he had only one month, less than one month, and he was gone. He didn't know. your ultimate lack of control. and I remember during the grieving process, when I think of that conversation, I almost become depressed. I'm like, Lord, why? like, I'm trying to understand, Lord, why. But as a human being, you it, it, you have to be okay that you don't understand everything. Recognize your ultimate lack of control. I think about was Lord, but why? He didn't know. That's October, he died November 4th. In October, he was telling me things from his heart, but he didn't know that he had only one month, just one month more, and he's gone your ultimate lack of control. Understand that I am human. I don't have control. God should be at the steering wheel of my life and drive the car. Receive this revelation. Don't believe the lie that you are more than enough. You are not. God is rather more than enough. You are not more than enough. Accept the reality this morning that I don't have control. Recognize your ultimate lack of control. It is a beautiful thing to realize that because you allow God into the steering wheel of your life and he will drive you to safety. Amen. The fourth one and the final one. So let me recap. We've talked that planning is biblical and we've looked at Jesus. Even Jesus, he didn't Allow followers to just casually follow him. He wanted people to make a vested interest, make a calculated decision on following him because it's costly. Talks about planning. So, Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, believes in planning. Plan to follow him. Plan to fulfill your call. Plan to receive him as your Lord and personal savior. Plan is biblical. We've looked at three steps so far. Commit to the Lord what you will do. And you can commit to the Lord by prayer. Number two, be open. Listen to counsel from others. And the others I put in better comments there. Listen to counsel from the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit speaks. Listen to him. Listen to godly friends. Be open to all avenues of godly inspiration. That could be avenues by which God will be drawing your attention to maybe tweak one or two things about your plans. Number three, recognize your ultimate lack of control. We've read James chapter four. And when you are without God making your plans, the Bible says you are like a puff of smoke. You just disappear. You see a puff of smoke? That is your life without God let God be the center of your life amen number 4 proverbs 19 verse 21 when i was meditating on this message i really remembered my mom when i when i looked at this scripture because the, i think This is one of my favorite um, scriptures of my mother. She always quotes this scripture, always. I'm young and I'm old. I still hear this scripture all the time. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Favorite scripture of all time. And my mom, she quotes it in King James. There are many devices in a man's heart but only the counsel of the Lord shall stand. There is a popular saying, man proposes, but God disposes. Partly true, partly true. It's not entirely true. But when I look at this scripture, Proverbs 19 verse 21, you can see some semblance in that There are many plans in a man's heart, but it's only the counsel of the Lord that will stand. Friend, let me encourage you. Don't be discouraged when there is a detour to your plan because God is our father. And listen, he always, not sometimes, not majority of the time, always. Did you hear the word? Always. A L W A Y S. God always has our best interest at heart. So sometimes there will be a detour to your plan. Don't be discouraged. Don't get angry about it. Don't throw your hands in despair because God always, always, not sometimes, always, He has your best interest at heart. Any counsel or plan that prevails above yours is for the betterment of your welfare. Please let this sink in your spirits. You may have plans, but there may be another counsel, another plan that will prevail above yours. Remember that God, who is your Father, always has your best interest at heart. And God, his plans, his purpose that will prevail above yours is for the betterment of your welfare. Because just like God said to the Israelites, my plan is not to hurt you. My plan is not to harm you. King James Version is to bring you an expected end. New King James is to give you a future and a hope. God's plans are not to hurt us. So sometimes it's okay if your plan doesn't come to pass, but there is a different agenda, a divine plan. Accept that. Accept that reality. Because God, He will always have our best interests at our heart because He's a good Father and He loves us. Trust in God, don't fight it. Knowing these steps now, I wish you a happy new year. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We submit to your authority. We submit to your sovereignty. We submit to your will and to your way. We say, yes, Lord, yes. We will trust you and we will obey. When your spirit speaks to us, With our whole heart we will agree and our answer will indeed be yes. We give you praise. We love you, Lord. Have your perfect way. May we include you in our plans. And most importantly, may our plans come to fruition because we will execute them and our joy will be full. We submit the steering wheel of our lives to you. We are not more than enough. We recognize our lack of control. We cede authority to you this morning. We cede control to you. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.